0: Welcome to Rebel High Command Cast, an Imperial Assault podcast for 2023 and beyond. This podcast is hosted by the i Command YouTube channel and sponsored by listeners like you through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Command and become a patron today. And thank you to all my patrons that are supporting this show and this channel. This is podcast, I think technically episode number 17. Uh, I am your host, TV Boy, a.k.a. Noah, and I am joined by my co-host, The Second Flock, a.k.a. Wesley. Hey, Wesley, how are you doing?
1: Hey, doing great, everyone. How's it going, Noah?
0: Good, and I think this is actually our first podcast back together um, that everybody's going to be listening to and we did just record mm-hmm. our season 8 um full set review and that's going to be going up once all the spoiler articles get released but this is going to be going up before that so yeah so today we're going to be talking about before you know season 8 gets fully spoiled i wanted to do a kind of final send off for season 7 even though we still have um tournament coming up for that season so this is going to be kind of the sunset show for season 7 we're going to talk about stuff that we've learned, takeaways we've had from the season um f- after seeing uh it play out for about 9 months here after all the um final changes were made after playtesting um and that's going to be a lot of fun. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, if we playtested for 4 months, I think we have an 8-month competitive schedule, right?
0: Uh yeah, cuz it started in September. So September, October, November, December, January, February, March. April? Yeah. Eight months, about. Awesome. Alright, well, before we get in that, um, I do have some community updates, and I'm just going to go through these right here on the on the call, because I have them listed out. Um, so, just wanted to mention to people that um, the uh, Tabletop Simulator module has been fully updated by uh, one of our newer community members, Jonathan. Uh, emailed me out of blue and said he had updated that with all the ICP cards up through Season 7. So if you've been itching to play ICP on Tabletop Simulator, that's actually ready to go, and I'll post a link in the uh, video description of the YouTube video here. I've also shared with everybody there's a new uh, printing service that you can use if you want to get your um, ICP cards printed, and want to do it card by card instead of printing out the full sheets for every season. Uh, it's called MTG-Print, and it's a, it's actually a proxy printing site for Magic, and uh, you can print tokens out with it. But you can uh, you can upload custom cards to print with it as well, so it's great for printing off. Uh, your ICP cards—you just have to remember to set the size, the correct size, when you're printing deployment cards and command cards, because they are a specific size. But you can do that in the options menu when you go to print. So really useful. I would encourage people to check out that site for printing off your ICP cards. Uh, <clears throat> we've got season eight spoilers, probably already started by the time you're listening to this on April 10th. So make sure you are checking out the main I. Um, i a continuity project website for all of those articles we've got guest writers from the community writing blogs about the cars um and there's going to be a, a spoiler article every day from the 10th through the i believe the 21st <clears throat> yeah the 21st uh and then finally we have the season 7 11 celebration tournament happening in about a week's time from this episode Actually, the weekend following this episode coming out, the 14th, 15th, and 16th, we're going to have tournaments each day at different times so that people can hopefully get into one of these tournaments or play in multiples. And um, there's an article on the site that lays out the prizes for that weekend that we're going to be sending out to people. So that's going to be awesome, and it's completely free to play. So this is your last chance to play the competitive Season season 7 format before we get into Season 8 playtesting. All right. So that is the announcements. So let's move on to our comms chatter section, where we talk about. Well,
1: let's let's uh, let me take one more second and say, with these season eight spoilers, um, depending on when you hear this, I will be hosting a live stream on 411 about uh, Imperial Assault, and we will be revealing two of the season eight cards on that live stream. So if you're seeing this shortly after this goes up. It might be just a day past when I stream, depending on when these go up. I think Wednesdays. But if you want to head over to youtube.com slash thesecondflock and look for the most recent live stream with Star Wars characters on it, uh, somewhere in that stream there should be two new cards for Season 8 revealed ahead of their scheduled uh, blog posts that they're going to get sometime later in a week and a half from now or so. The later end of the Season 8 spoilers.
0: Excellent. So if you want to catch
1: those guys a week early, uh, head over to my channel.
0: Excellent, excellent. Okay, good plug. Perfect. So <clears throat> moving on to ComShatter. Um, so this is where yep. we uh, talk about a listener email or comment on a previous episode. Uh, basically just to spotlight the community and like do some, some discussion here on the, on the podcast. I think we haven't done this in a while, so I wanted to spotlight a comment. And this one is from... Uh, PON3D and I believe this is actually um, our friend Jonathan who updated the Tabletop Simulator module just recently um, he posted this comment on an older video I had made um, actually it was about the changes like how Season 7 changed over the playtesting process and he says, um, so his comment says, awesome insight into the card design process how often do you guys discuss changing existing rules Um, He says, take initiative of such a format warping card, but it seems necessary to stop the guaranteed final activation power plays. I thought about making it so that last activation always loses initiative for the next turn, uh, and couldn't really see many downsides for doing it this way. Does the committee avoid these changes because people already know how things work, or are there significant mechanical downsides to changing something like this? (coughs) So I thought this was an excellent question because uh, it really digs down into the heart of what ICP is doing and some of our guiding principles. Um, it's actually a, like an episode topic that I'd love to do in the future just to talk about like how the ICP works and what our guiding principles are for like making changes and stuff just so that people can kind of know more about what how we operate. but um, to answer John's question, I'll let you get on this too Wesley in a second. Um, yes and yes. We the one of the we don't change so no we don't change core we try not to change core rules in the game. Our um, mission is to just keep releasing new content the way FFG would have. Um, without I mean for skirmish only of course they, we don't do campaign the way FFG would have but uh, we're not interested in trying to like fix the game so so to speak uh, because like it's our one of our core principles is that the game is awesome and that's the whole reason for trying to continue it and if we tried to fix it or change it like that would not be faithful to the many many fans of skirmish that have uh, come over the years um, to love the game so yes one of the reasons we don't change it is because people already like and enjoy how things work some people don't and we understand that but that's we don't have that mantle, like to change the game the way that, like we've seen um, atomic mass games do with the Star Wars games that were gifted to them from by Asmodee. You know they've gone just hog wild making changes to those games, kind of hmm. butchering them in my opinion. Um, but some of the things they've done have made them better. Some things have made them worse. But we're not it's not the business that we're in with ICP. Um,
1: Yeah, you guys, uh, you do. I would say you do discuss it though. I know the last time we had a poll for the new season, the official changes, uh, there were like three pages of, hey, what do you guys think about all of these aspects of the game that aren't necessarily what we're voting on right now? And so there were polls about, like, how bad do you think Take Initiative is? And, you know, what do do you think Extra Armor is too strong? Not necessarily that, that they're going to change anything, but I think they are at least trying to see where the community headspace is with everything. Uh, but also, you know, to speak to what you said, Noah, it is a baseline of the project to, you know, work on this game. It's not Imperial Assault 2, it's updates to Imperial Assault 1. And you can't change everything, especially something like Take Initiative, that at this point is essentially a core game mechanic, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, without kind of. <clears throat> dipping into the toes of making it a sequel.
0: Yep. And um yeah, we do talk we do talk about it. We did talk about it and I know the so I came on to the committee in season three, uh, and I know that before me, um, they were talking about that stuff a lot. They were talking about stuff like changing how focus works, changing how initiative works, um, banning extra arm or not extra armor, banning Zillow technique or or nerfing it or Um, they were going to completely change the rules about how command cards were played so you couldn't, you could only play like one card per attack or something Um, it was, it was, there was a lot of talk about stuff like that and I think that's when they realized that number one, if they change all that stuff, the game was going to be completely different and it's not going to be the game that people loved and number two, if they change all that stuff, it has huge consequences downstream that make it so that it's gonna change how things interact, and that's gonna be, all of our understanding of how Skirmish works is gonna probably go out the window, and the game will be maybe not as balanced, and there's gonna be problems with, like, if you change focus, then you change how rebels stand in the meta, and you change how they interact with Zillow Technique, and then you have to change Zillow Technique, and if you change Zillow Technique, then you gotta change other stuff, so, It's it's a big, it's a big, um, there's a lot of consequences of making changes like that. It's
1: like, a... it's like there's a pile of junk that is uh, holding up. Yeah. You know the meta, and if you uh, take one piece out and try to put a more stable piece there, it's uh, everything else might topple over.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're playing yeah.
1: with a very yeah. Go well, ahead. I was
0: gonna say yeah, that's a good one. Another one is like it's like a it's like a one-story building with a bunch of columns holding it up. And you can pour stuff on top of it, and the columns should hold up what you pour on top of it. But if you start messing around with the columns that's holding everything up, then it could all fall down. Yeah. Um, so we try to just yeah. pour on top. Um, I do want to mention uh, his comment, his idea. It's actually a pretty cool idea. He's saying that if you... Basically, whoever has the last activation each round, the other player should get the initiative going into the next round. Um. And I think that would have been cool. Um,
1: I think it, it does sound cool. Uh, I think that's actually how the Marvel game does uh, it. The one that's made by the company that does Shatterpoint. I <clears throat> can't remember the, the name of that. But uh, the Marvel game, I think, basically does that. Whoever acts last loses initiative the next round. And I do remember, though, having like a list that had more activations and then... My opponent basically got first activation every round and would, like, throw out a stun on my biggest guy. And it, it still wound up with me not being able to, like... I would have a bunch of my small activations at the end of the round after all the fighting, and then I would do a bunch of weak things, and then go into the next round, and then, like I said, my opponent, oh, I get to go first because you just took a turn. So I'm going to attack your biggest guy that's about to go, and now he's not going to go for the next round.
0: Yeah. So, so I have seen issues with uh, that. Uh, that's interesting. Okay. So I was gonna say it sound like there were. It did seem like there were some trade-offs there. Um, but that's an interesting one. That yeah, if you have a high activation count, you basically never get to go first. And then, the other thing I was thinking about this is like it also kind of like it flattens the skill ceiling, where you can't mm. really capitalize on an ability to plan ahead and. Um, take advantage of the fact that knowing that you're going to be going last and first in the next round, that's something that, you know, the best players really plan around and capitalize on to get the maximum benefit from. And the less skilled or less experienced players are not thinking about, and so they don't get to take advantage of it, well, if you take that away, then the skilled players don't have that anymore, while the Less skilled players are basically not losing much, so it kind of flattens the skill gap in that way, um, which can, some people can see as a good thing, but a lot of times it's seen as dumbing down the game. So, Yeah, and I think
1: if you just took take initiative out of the game and said, okay, well, we're going to, you know, the default is you start with initiative, then your opponent gets it, and then back and forth... I think at that point, we would have to make games like two rounds, and whoever gets the most VPs across two Mm. matches wins, because one side, side. you know, whoever gets initiative like round two can typically get a big advantage.
0: Right. Um, So, yeah, that was good. Um, All right, moving on. Oh, I
1: I did want to say, you know, the only limitations IACP has on the base game are the changes to Assassinate and On the lamb. And we still see discussions and people talking about, like, well, why did this have to happen? Why did you have to, you know, restrict stuff from the original game? And I think we, we saw one of those comments on Friday, and we were talking about that for a while.
0: Yeah, that was a good discussion over on the ICP Discord about Assassinate. Um, yeah, a lot of folks, well, I think what you're talking about is that those are the only two cards in the i c p that are still nerfed, like, are still made weaker than their mm-hmm. originals there were a lot more nerfs before that but they all ended up being reverted um and i think what happens is a lot of people come into the project uh seeing all the changes and only seeing it from like a like a um what do you call it like a what uh, what is it called uh my blind is blank. it's like uh not Warhammer what's that StarCraft Theorycraft they see it from a theorycraft mm-hmm. perspective where they're like seeing all these changes but not seeing them in practice right because they haven't seen any of that they're yeah. just like trying to think how they all interact and they they in their head they come up with a with a theory for how it's all going to work out and the thing is we have years now of actually seeing it play out in real life in real games and we know how it works and we've tested this and that and all the different permutations you know with a relatively small group of people like we only have about maybe 50 active people at a time honestly Um, (laughs) but we still are able to see those things and how they're working versus somebody coming in and being like hey this change is going to work like this if you do it that way and we're like well that's not how it's worked in practice the last few years and that's why that's still there and everything else got changed back and etc cetera, etc cetera, which um but it's it's good and we i i encourage people who are new to the project to bring those concerns and talk about them like we're never afraid of <clears throat> having the discussions um and i think we learn a lot too sometimes like sometimes we get new perspectives like i remember when you first came on you were asking all these questions and we were like oh like shoot yeah <laughs> well, that's interesting like we got to change that or or we got to fix that or that's something we need to start looking at so you know um it's good. It's good to always be re-examining things, especially through f- fresh perspectives
1: yeah. yeah yeah and I think one of the cool things about the project is you know with the exception of those two cards on the lamb and assassinate, you can come in and you can play imperial assault like the base game. Like the base game. you can use all the old cards if you want and your opponent can you know, be IACP and just show you like a couple of the cards that they're using and you can have no idea what's possible and you can still run, you know, your Stormtroopers at nine points if you want. You can still play the original game and your opponent can just be the one with all this cool new stuff. Uh, And I think that adds a bit of a level of comfort and ease of getting into it Mm -hmm. that you kind of have to opt into which parts of the project you want to start with. Yeah. And so that's why I think you know, changing aspects of the original game is not, it's good that it's not a part of the scope of the project. Yep.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I do wish we could even get rid of those two, like, for that very reason that you wouldn't have to deal with them, but we've tried it. And, yeah. and I
1: would almost say we could, you know, maybe look at Assassinate and getting rid of that one, but then we added Bib. And I think uh, now there's like an extra thing you can stack already, yep.
0: so uh, that's enough. Yeah, Bibb, yeah, Bib makes it hard. He's one of the few that have been balanced around a nerf to an old card. So I don't, I think he'd be a problem. But <clears throat> okay, let's yep. do a rules question, and then we can do gameplay. Well,
1: actually, I uh, I added a second listener comment oh. here. Uh, So this is from the last episode you did with uh, Brendan and Stephanie from Adepticon. So I commented on that video, and I think they were talking about how they ran a list that was themed around the Obi-Wan TV show, and it was Vader and Palpatine and a bunch of the Inquisitors and uh, Purge Troopers that were hunting after him during the show. And I was basically like, oh, I just started this TV show, and it's the first time I heard someone, anyone... Say, yeah, go watch Obi-Wan Kenobi. That show's awesome. I've only heard bad things up until that point. So that intrigued me. And I left this comment on the video. And I think it was Brendan. He responded again uh, to YouTuber uh, Born Painting. I think this is him. And he said, like, yes, 100%. Uh, Obi-Wan is great. Go watch it. The Vader fights make Obi-Wan the sh- It makes the show for us, the Vader fights. And then we talked a bit about uh, painting, and he's like, Hey, I hope I can inspire you to pick up a paintbrush, and heck yes, that would be awesome if you did your own painting. Um, And then we'd love love to see you at Adepticon next year. So So, it would be great great to see more people people at Adepticon every year. I think the bigger that gets, the better. Uh, But I wanted to say say shortly after I wound up finishing that show, or after finishing this podcast... And I then learned, uh, and hopefully Brendan uh, is listening, or Stephanie, uh, just I wanted to get out there that I learned that there's a fan project going on. There's a guy named Pixel, and he's trying to recreate or uh, re-edit Obi-Wan into a -a two-and-a-half-hour movie that kind of spans the bridge between the prequels and the original trilogy. But he is a professional VFX artist, and so he actually went in and shot new scenes and like added more dialogue or and changed a lot of the VFX, uh, to try to make it more faithful to some of the different parts of the lore, but also to change character motivations and fix a lot of what people had issues with and like add a lot more color and just make it more cinematic, um... And so at some point, that version, that reimagining of Obi-Wan's going to come out. And uh, I think, it, you know, Brandon and Stephanie, you'd be very interested to watch that. And I think, in general, the Star Wars community would love to hear about that. So it's Pixel's Obi-Wan Kenobi show, or Obi-Wan Kenobi movie coming out at some point, whenever he finishes it. It's a fan project.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I will not be linking to that because Disney does not like those things but you can find it on your own. (laughs) I have found the, um, there's another fan edit that already exists that edited Mm -hmm. it down to a movie. It didn't add any special effects, but it edited out a lot of the stuff because originally the story is that uh, the Obi-Wan story was treated to be a uh, a movie. It was supposed to be a movie. Uh, The original script was for a three-hour film or two-and-a-half-hour film and then mm-hmm. the producers were like, uh, We don't want to make any more movies right now, probably because they were having problems with their box office. Uh, we want more TV shows. Stretch this into a six episode miniseries, please. Mm. And that's how you got mm-hmm. stuff like ridiculous chases through the forest and weird parkour scenes <laughs> and just a lot of nonsense <laughs> to pad out the runtime. And uh, yeah, that show, yeah. It's much better as a movie. I did like it more as a, a movie, so... I'm looking yeah. forward to that one. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. It's going to be good. I, he has a Discord server that I joined just to get the updates. I think his name's Pixel. But uh, he apparently is a guy that actually worked on the VFX for Andor. Nice. So he's got some credibility That's there. Uh, so yeah, that show, looking forward to that.
0: That show looks so much better. It's so It was so funny watching Mando Season 3 and the scenes where they are on Coruscant, and just how Mm -hmm. much worse it looks compared to Andor. (laughs) Because they're still (laughs) using the volume on Mandalorian, that fake background, instead of shooting on location like Andor did. It's like like night and day. Yeah, Coruscant looked great on Andor. I don't think
1: it looked awful in Mandalorian, but I'm also not a VFX fan. Connoisseur in that kind of
0: way. It looked worse but than the prequels. There's to definitely
1: me. more care put into yeah. with, that. with that.
0: Yep. Okay, so thanks for bringing that up. That was great. <clears throat> uh, let's talk about nice. uh, rules questions and then we can do games we played before I get into our main topic. Um, so, a rules question I picked for today was Joey asked a question about Gorito. Uh, So he's asking when Greedo shoots a smuggler and then the smuggler plays on the lamb. Can the smuggler shoot Greedo first and then move? So that's off of um, slow on the draw or what would the timing be for lamb? So I'm going to bring up Greedo so we can look at him but basically it's a question of how does Greedo's slow on the draw interact with on the lamb. So um, the way that works is so, in ICP, it's, there's two different answers in ICP, but it, it's both the same result. Um, so, in ICP, the way On the Lamb is played is you play it um, when the attack is declared. So, that's before dice rolls. Um, and the way that Slow on the Draw is worded is when you declare an attack. So, they both have the same timing in ICP. And that means that it's going to be attacker's effects first and then the defender so what will happen is uh, Greedo will attack or, excuse me, yeah, Greedo attacks uh, his slow on the draw ability will trigger then the smuggler defender gets to attack Greedo and then the smuggler then gets to play on the lamb to get out of line of sight so it's pretty bad for Greedo Um, he gets attacked and doesn't get to, to, to attack back or doesn't get to complete his attack in regular FFG skirmish, on the lamb gets played after dice like before modifier so after dice are rolled so it's pretty much the same uh greedo will attack slown the draw trigger greedo gets attacked by the smuggler dice are rolled then the smuggler plays um on the lamb and gets to avoid the attack
1: yeah yeah I'd seen that yeah i have seen that thread. that that all makes sense and was a lot more simple, lot more simple answer. answer um It just reminds me, you know, Brendan was talking in the last episode you guys did about how they had that Greedo versus Greedo interaction, and he was saying about how the judge had to come over and explain to them all the different rulings, and it got really nitty gritty, and I was thinking like, well, I think it's simple, they solved it. It's like Greedo attacks Greedo, and then Greedo B attacks A, and then A can attack B once, and then that's it. Uh, And then I just thought, well, what if one of them dies during any of those attacks, And then Parting Shock goes off. And and then it all happens again. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) It just seems like there's so many ways that could go. And then you started adding in that there were hired guns in that situation, too. Yeah. And so I understood how confusing that is. And even I I shut my own brain off. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to hope that doesn't happen to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's not fun. It's not as infinite. Like, it doesn't go off infinitely because it's only one slow on the draw per attack um, window. So... Uh, even though you're making new attacks so they just yeah. slow on the draw, they don't, um... You're still within that same first attack window, so you can't trigger it again.
1: Okay, so if a Greedo dies while he already has slow on the draw going as part of a bigger chain, then he can't slow on the draw, on the draw as part of his farting shot?
0: I think that's true. Um trying to think if it triggers i think there
1: needs to be a flow chart for credo versus credo yeah there's probably one
0: out there (laughs) all right so let's do games we played, and then we're going to move on to our main topic um what uh, have you been doing skirmish or campaign what have you been up to
1: I really haven't been doing uh, either recently. I think the last time we filmed an episode together, I already talked about the uh, the last mission we did in Edge of Oblivion. Uh, oh, yeah. If not, the recap was I, I just got stopped, like I had been the entire campaign. I couldn't kill uh, Gerard. he was too tanky.
0: Mm, yeah. So that was your finale. That was, finale? that was the finale.
1: It was the one where we... Um, it's, the it's the Greedo mission, actually. Mm. Uh, The one where, like, everyone starts and they have to destroy some terminals, and then they have to basically get one guy back to the escape, like, to the start point, and he escapes. Uh, But it's like, you're you're hunting after one figure, so the special rule is if that one hero gets wounded, you win as the Imperial. But if there's a healthy hero next to your target hero, you cannot declare an attack on your target. Oh, yeah.
0: So I basically have to wound everybody.
1: So it was like, okay, well, Gerard is the only one that all of my abilities work on—is the Jabba Hut Mercenaries thing—because he's the only one that's had a bounty token this entire campaign. Uh, Should I, you know, choose him? And I was like, well, no, because then I won't be able to attack him, and I'll have to hurt everyone else, and I won't get my buffs. So I was like, okay, well, I put it on Onar, and I was like, he can only rest once per action, even though he heals a little faster. Uh, He can only rest once, he can't double rest, and, you know, even though he can manipulate movement to get someone next to him, I'm just going to have to wound Gerard and then spread the bounty tokens and then wound everyone else, Uh, but I could not wound Gerard, so they kind of just turtled their way through the map, even though I had a lot of threat and was thrown thing after thing after thing at them, uh, they were just slaughtering them like flies, and I I think at one point I, like, deployed, um, like, some Trandoshan Hunters, because I was, like, I'm deploying all these small fry. They're getting, you know, blown up after making one attack. I'll try something a little stronger. And then they got got blown up before I did an attack. And I know at one point the players were like, this is kind of crazy, man. You're getting like eight or ten threat around because we brought Obi-Wan. And, you know, you're getting six here and two here. And then at some point in the mission, you start doubling your threat. And like, you're getting like eight to ten around. This is insane. And I was like, well, yeah, but you guys are taking out six to eight threat worth of points in one of your four activations, and you have Obi-Wan. <laughs> I'm not keeping up. <laughs> They're like, fair point. See, so yeah, it ended in a loss, but it was uh, still a good time.
0: Nice. I remember enjoying writing the flavor text for the finale mission. I think I made the the Rebels loss flavor text pretty dark. It's, like, pretty grim. Uh. But it sounds like they didn't have Probably to go through to that. have to go back and read that one. <laughs> I think my Rebels, when we played it, I, I was able to... Oh, wait, was I on the rebel side? I don't know. Now I can't remember. But I remember enjoying writing that. <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I have not... I have been playing a little bit, but it's been all Season 8 playtest games to get that done in the last few weeks. So, both... So
1: yeah I kind of figured uh, <laughs> we spent a little longer on the community updates but that was okay because we probably didn't have much to talk about in games
0: yep so I can't talk about that but you guys will hear more about that um, in the season 8 set review I kind of talk about my experiences with season 8 um, when we're talking about the individual cards so um, so I think we can move into our main topic then yeah. So season seven is coming to a close. I've um, got the card list here for reference. We've got about 300 games of data now from when we started competitive play in September to now. Um, plus a bunch of tournaments, including Adepticon. Um, I did want to talk about the season the final season had their top four a couple of weeks ago um so that was morgan uh mark neely Derek, and destructor and um what was i gonna say oh the I, I should be getting those game log reviews up hopefully before this episode goes up i just haven't had a lot of time to do that with all season eight stuff but fingers crossed so hopefully this will not be a spoiler if you've had a chance to watch that but if you haven't had a chance this might be a spoiler uh, cause I'm gonna talk about the results so uh... so Morgan won that turn that little tournament uh, because they by the way they all made it to the top four after playing through I think four rounds of Swiss or maybe five um... Hmm. I don't think they I don't think they all played these same lists during the Swiss but they did play these lists during the top four so, Morgan uh, ended up winning the whole thing. He had a list with Mernrin, K2SO, Cardoon. and I should actually switch over to the show notes on my other screen. Um Dune, here we go. Uh, he had uh, Rebel Sabs, just one set, so no doubles. Uh, Saw Gerrera, Gideon Argus, 3PO, d 2 Heavy Fire, Targeting Computer, and Extra Armor. And you guys can see, if you're on the YouTubes, you can see the command card list here. Um, but basically a lot of heavy heavy weapon stuff. And let's see. Then we had Mark in second place. So he was in the finals. And he had two elite stormtroopers, two ISB infiltrators, one heavy stormtrooper group, Imperial officer, suppressive fire, Zillow technique, rule by fear, and advanced comms. And lots of trooper stuff there. Where's oh, my thing going? Go there we go. Okay, and then the two semifinalists were Derek playing Rebels, and he had Han Solo and IG-11, uh, Jin O'Don, Harrison Dula, Sasuke. So Sasuke was bringing uh, IG-11. And then we had Gideon Argus, RTD 2 2 C-3PO, and Heroic Effort. And then finally we had Destructor, another sem- semifinalist who was also playing two Elite Stormtrooper groups, but his list had Iden Versio, Thrawn, Director Krennic, Elite Death Trooper, an Imperial Officer, Zillow Technique, by Fear, and Advanced Comm Systems, most likely on Director Krennic. So he was more of a, like, big-hitting trooper list, but he had the Elite Stormtroopers still attacking with Krennic, uh, giving them power tokens and extra damage. Wow, it's weird to see so many stormtroopers on a top list. Yeah, two. So, right, so we had the finalists, had yeah. double elite yeah. stormtroopers, and Destructor was playing them as well. So, we're kind of seeing a rise of the regular stormtrooper again. Um, I think Mark has played them for a long time, but it's interesting to see Destructor jumping on the um, stormtrooper plus Krennic strategy, um, which is one we've yeah. really hoped would be successful since like season four. Um, And I think it's been good, it's been fine, but, you know, it's all about whatever the current people's tastes are, because, again, the meta is so undefined and so um, free, you can kind of just run whatever you feel like. So if people didn't feel like running it up until now, that's just how it is. Yeah? Yeah? Um, okay, so let's move into... We've got some takeaways here, and I thought this would be a fun format where we kind of just give our opinions on the season and stuff we've learned and some qu- kind of quick takeaways. Since I feel like we've talked a lot about the meta and what it's looked like over the, from all the past tournaments, like you can go watch our Adepticon prep episode where we kind of talk about what's being played and what's strong uh, in Season 7. Um, so I thought this would be good where we're kind of just combining our, looking at our experience with the season and our, uh, looking at the de- the data, which is now pretty much complete. Um, we can kind of give our opinion. So, uh, I think we can start with the factions, which I added here at the last second. Hmm. So the people are always curious how the factions are doing, uh, the three factions. So the factions are actually seem pretty even. Um, the meta share, so how much meta, how many lists were being played in each faction, uh, uh, ended up being 38% rebel lists, 27% empire, and 34% scum. So rebel was the most popular faction, actually, if you take all the games that were played, that we got game logs for, including tournaments, including whatever games people sent in to our Dropbox, um, and Empire was the least popular. So you'd normally expect 33% since there's three. Um, So Empire is way below. But Mm -hmm. when you actually look at the win rate, it tells a different story. Rebels are at 45% win rate, Empire is 56% win rate, and Scum is 51%. So again, you would normally expect to see about 50% win rate across the board in a perfectly balanced meta, but we see Empire actually winning the most, even though it's the least popular, and then um, Rebels are winning the least, even though they're the most popular, and Scum's right in the middle, uh, perfectly balanced at 51%. <laughs> pretty
1: close. Yeah, pretty
0: close to the standard popularity at 34%, just one percent up from the expected. Yeah. Um so that's interesting to see and i think that's been kind of the trend for the last couple seasons even last few is that just um rebels are usually the most popular but empire wins the most and uh, rebels are always kind of struggling Mm -hmm. so it's something we're aware of and we're trying to hopefully correct but without sending everything into a spiral right we don't want rebels to be 60 at least the rebels are popular yeah, they're popular, but we don't want them to go up to like 65% and Empire drop down to 40 or something. That would be bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Definitely. All right. Second take we have here is that SABs plus Mern plus Saw Gerrera was a legit strategy this season and did really well. Um, and the sub take on that is Heavy Fire is finally getting lots of respect from the competitive community.
1: Yeah. It looks like Saw's only doing good with the Sabs, though. He uh, tends to lose a lot more often if he's not paired with them, which makes sense. He kind of fits with that strategy, even though you know, his discard ability is meant to be more of a faction-wide boost.
0: Yeah, that's that was interesting, um, too, when I looked at that. Um, with Saw's win rate is only at 37.5% when you take out the Sabs' performance with him. But with the Sabs, I think he is at above 60 Let's see. Yeah. So he's doing really well, and he's been getting a lot of play. I mean, I played him a lot in the early part of the competitive season. Um, Oh, he's at fifty-six percent win rate uh, total. I think without the sabs, it jumps Mm -hmm. up to sixty or above sixty-five percent. Or sorry, with 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 the sabs Sabs? with with the sabs. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. So saws. Saw's definitely a part of the game. Good part. Good, part. Good addition.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Surprised to see that we, we... Like, what was it? Our winner uh, only ran one copy of the Sabs with Saw and uh, Cardoon and everything else.
0: Yeah, I kind of like that, actually. Like, I think it makes sense. Like, you get diminishing returns when you have double Sabs because you have to have, like, hidden and focus and surge tokens for all of them or you want to, and it gets kind of hard to manage that. I think with Morgan's list he, since he only had two sabs you know, he could focus and hide them both for that first initial attack and then um, be getting that blast four on both of those first attacks plus heavy fire so uh, he ex- mm-hmm. he traded that second group of Saps for Cara Dune, who can actually hit hard. And I think that's one of the things that Saps kind of struggle with is um, Imperial armor, you know, because that yeah. Pierce yeah. two gets hit by Zillow, and it's hard for them to break through. And
1: then K two S O in here.
0: There's another hard K2. hitting. He's a spy. Yeah. 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 So I think.
1: Yeah. He, so. I guess he hits hard. He,
0: yeah, I think he's got a really well-balanced list there um, with K2SO and Kara being able to hit really hard um, on a single target, and then he's got the Sabs to do the, all the blast shenanigans. And I think it helped uh, that he played against two Swarm lists in his top four games, so that made things a lot easier or or gave him a good matchup and made those Sabs really pull their weight. And, but he was still ready if he came mm-hmm. up against, like, a Vader or something. True, true, true. Um, um, alright, let's move on to no, our... Unless you have something else about that. Just, uh, just, uh
1: next topic, Kotun.
0: Yeah, so Kotun is Shine this season. Kotun has always been, like, a 40% win rate figure for some reason. Uh, but in this season, let's see, I think her win rate went up above 70%, which is, like, insane. Uh, oh, she's at 57% win rate. I think I was looking hmm. at my, uh... At the wrong sheet when I was gathering this data, but still, 57 is great, like, that's a that's a very well-performing figure we do
1: see her, do see her with sobs a
0: lot yep, see her Sabs. still kind of just see her all over the place, right, she's such a Swiss army knife mm-hmm. of abilities um, but she, she also yeah. really supports, like, the hard-hitting single-attack figures like Han uh, really well yeah, yeah agree Um, Before we go on to the next one we wrote down, I actually wanted to mention one that I forgot to write down, which was looking at the original three queen pieces of the game and seeing how they're doing. Um, It's not particularly relevant to Season 7 cards, but I just find this data interesting. So you're talking about Darth Vader, IG-88, and Han Solo, which are kind of like the three pillars of their factions as far as Queen Pieces. Um, And it kind of reflects the the faction win rate overall. We've got Darth Vader at 60% win rate. IG88, only 8 games played, but 50% win rate, so he's okay uh, in the games he's played. And then Han Solo is not doing great. He's got the most games played out of the three, so he's the most popular, but he's only got a 28.57% win rate. So he's only won six games uh, out of the 21 he has played. He is not doing great. Yeah, so, so I find that interesting. I wonder if, I'm not sure if that's just a reflection on the factions as a whole, or maybe that Vader has. It could be new lists,
1: like people trying new lists with Han, and Han is a high skill ceiling figure. Yeah,
0: I I wonder if it's just Han is really popular amongst newer players for some reason, but he he does have a high skill ceiling to play. Um, And I think Vader maybe is more intimidating for people to try out if they're not familiar. So he's more, it's more people that are very familiar with how he plays that play him. So he has, you know, he tends to do better overall. Um, But I'm not sure. So I just thought that was worth uh, looking at. Um, Alright, move on to the next one. So, f- for Empire, ISBs and heavy stormtroopers are top tier now. And as we saw, the regular stormtroopers yeah. are doing well too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, um, well um, stormtroopers doing well and you said heavies are also doing well. Yeah,
0: Heavies are doing really well. Um, they're not as popular as ISBs, uh, but they have a 9-1 in record right now in Season 7, so 9 wins, 1 loss. So that's very good. Um, you know, that's, like, insanely good. So there's, there's probably an out... Like, something... We're probably not just having enough data on them, but I would expect that after... If you add another 10 more games, they'd probably even out to around 60% win rate. Mm. Um... I wonder what it
1: is about the heavies. I don't think they got any new attachments in Season 7. Yeah,
0: I think it's just they are seeing more play. I think people are just playing them more. Um, I thought they were always pretty good. And then the ISBs are also getting more play.
1: We did get reduced to rubble. Um, It's a heavy weapon card.
0: Yeah, heavy weapons have just been doing good this season.
1: It might have just put heavy stormtroopers in people's minds, and then they seem to pair well with ISBs too.
0: Yeah, we do see them paired a lot, because you'll often see, like, suppressive fire on the heavy stormtroopers, which enable coordinated raid. So, I don't know. I think they've just been...
1: I think it's because we're getting away from queen pieces as much, and we're seeing a lot more, uh, like, lower value or lower point cost figures that go in attack, and I think heavies and ISPs have these Consistent middle range damages that do great against these uh, middle point cost attackers. Mm-hmm. Like we're seeing Rebel Salvador's, so they got a white dice and seven health. Uh, While well, two ISB attacks and ISBs can get three in an activation or, you know, one one turn. You um, can usually take out a sob in about two of those, sometimes
0: one. Yeah. Well, speaking of. Imperial Troopers and a ninety percent win rate. Captain Tarot is on a tear this season. Um he has ninety one percent. He's got eleven and one record. And he's been tearing it up in the tournament scene because he Kyle has been playing him so much. So a lot of those wins are under Kyle, but I I clocked in four players that have played Tarot this season um and submitted game logs to us, so uh, he's been doing really good, and I should put the card up on the screen for people watching. Um, Tarot the Terror. <laughs> yeah, he was
1: my, yeah, he was my first IACP list, so I have a, a fond connection with him, and I'm glad to see him doing great, and I'm scared of him. Um, we Might have to get back to
0: playing him some more Season 8. Yep, we've mostly seen him being paired with Snow Troopers uh, under Kyle's play, and his list is uh Tarot doback and Snowtroopers, and I think cavalry charge is really the thing that has catapulted him into being uh, as good as he is. It's such a strong command card
1: yeah, I agree his command card is for one point, it's really good,
0: and it definitely shows us that like we do need to be careful about putting that kind of ability on on a like a deployment card if you imagine that just having that plus one attack or plus one damage buff on your deployment card all the time you know we've experimented with that and been like that is it's too strong and i think this kind of cements that it can't that cannot be something we put on a deployment card <laughs> true um all right moving on uh oh i have hk so hk assassin droid so we finally have something that's more season seven focused here um, HK Assassin droids have largely seemed to have replaced Sentry droids um, in the general Sorin list for Empire that we've seen in the past
1: yeah uh, Emperor HK's seem to be a popular fit, fit. and uh, I know one list is like you know you put them in a Sorin list and then sometimes they'll even throw Palpatine in there and just give HK's as many attacks as they can
0: yeah, and it makes sense, because if you're running two groups, um, the first group costs mm-hmm. costs just as much as a Sentry droid. right? It's 8 plus t- uh, Temporary Alliance. Uh, but then the second group is cheaper than the second Sentry droid, since they're, now it's just 8 instead of the Sentry being 9.
1: Yeah. Um, and we've seen a lot of shenanigans with uh, General's ranks and people doing things like Motivation with Palpatine to move them around a lot
0: get him in position and keep him
1: safe.
0: Yeah, with motivation on Palpatine, yep. Um, I remember one game log, we
1: saw one HK group get brought in with a Cad Bane, and then Cad Bane gave the movement point to an HK who was General's ranked, so we got three, and got to, like, hide after attacking.
0: So I wonder, So it was... are HKs just strictly better than sentries. Like, did they push sentries out? I think
1: so. I think they have stronger, like, a lot larger range, and sentries struggle to do damage when you split the damage to two different attacks because of the minus one. I think HK's just hit a lot harder, hit from a lot farther. Uh, They have manipulation of the results a lot more accurately than the sentries because they can re-roll the defense die. And then, you know, instead of doing minus one damage to hit two things, they do plus one damage if you're weakened, and they can also weaken you. Right. I think the one thing they don't have is the Trooper trait. Yeah. But they have Hunters, so... <laughs> so they got something, you know, even better.
0: Yeah, that's kind of unfortunate. I hadn't really thought about them replacing sentries in that General Sorin, um droid list, because... I mean, you would think that the multi-fire would count for something, uh, being able to attack twice, but it's, I think what you said makes a lot of sense. So.
1: I think the sentries struggle with uh, both damage and range at when they split their attacks. Mm-hmm. And, so and so you have to try to compensate for it with uh, Krennic or just power tokens in general somehow. HKs are just like... We already have good attacks. We're just going to make them even more busted with her. You know the other things you're going to bring into support.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because HKs were not doing great uh, in the data, like in the data we were getting until Joey went five and zero at Adepticon with them, and then all of a sudden their win <laughs> rate shot up. From it was like mm. it was at like forty percent, and then after we I put in the data for. Adepticon, their win rate went up to sixty percent. So, also I will mention that uh, according to my data, you get a two percent bonus increase in win rate if you play two uh, two HKs instead of one, or two HKs <laughs> over the one or two.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Um. All right. Next one. So Leia. So we have some interesting stuff about Leia. Uh, Leia is doing fine, but she's not, like, busted. She's not even over 50% win rate, according to the data I have on her.
1: But is she more popular?
0: Uh, she's way more popular than she was. She's, um, got... She was in 11 different lists this season. She's had got 28 games played, so she's seen a lot of tournament play. Um, so she's seeing more play. Uh, it's just, she's not winning as much Especially,
1: I do think she might be high skill ceiling, though, in terms of what she can do.
0: Yeah. she's. I mean, she's still pretty squishy for 8 points, um, mm-hmm. right? She's the same durability profile as she was in the... Oh, no, that's not true. She has 11 health instead of 8. I can't believe the original had 8 health for 8 points. It's just insane. Yeah. Um. So she does have more health, I guess. And she has a search for recover, too. Um, yeah, she's doing a lot of little, small things... Um, I think her attack is just not as strong as maybe some people thought it was so that battlefield leadership can do a lot of damage but it depends on how she rolls true Um,
1: True. but her her attack is very good for support she can recover herself and she gets the military efficiency uh, and it typically still does a couple of damage I gotta say even like even if I roll a dodge against a lay attack, I usually still feel bad because I see my
0: opponent recover to and get a card back that they need, yeah um so from Leia, we'll move on to Luke, uh an heir to the Jedi, that was a card from season seven um so looking at the data, it looks like both Luke's had about equal win or not equal win rates, equal um adoption rates. So the 7-point Luke Skywalker had 26 matches in 10 lists, and then we have uh, Jedi Luke is 12 lists, 24 matches played. So pretty close to the same, even split. Hmm. Um, However, I will say that his win rate's not bad but I'm a little disappointed <laughs> that it's hovering around 40% win rate, which is fine. Like, that's that's within happy range. We want it to be, f- like, between 40 and 60% is where we want it to be. Um, but I was kind of hoping, like, this is the third time we've buffed Luke, um, or at least Jedi Luke, and it's the second time we're buffing... Uh, hero, you know, corset Luke and I was kind of hoping he would become more of like a high win percent pillar the way that Vader mm-hmm. Vader is an Empire, you know, like I wouldn't see Luke be that, but I think he's still finding his feet
1: I think the fact that he, like the play rates are higher and um, you know, this is after the playtesting season, so it's not like people had to play him, they finally think he's good enough to try out and they're playing with him, and it might just be that it takes a while for people to find their footing with him. He might not necessarily need another buff down the line or anything, just... The fact that he's getting played, though, is uh, what I think makes it great for the representation in this game.
0: Oh yeah, and I, I don't want to buff him again. That's one of the reasons I'm sad, is like, I don't think we can buff him again, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, you're right, he is... If you, if you look at Heir to the Jedi stats, I mean, if you combine the two Lukes together, he's getting played more than Vader or IG or any of the other um, kind of pillars of the their faction. So um, he is getting a lot of play. So that's good.
1: Yeah. You know, it's... um When one of the Super Smash Bros. games came out that had online, I think a popular character was Little Mac and the director of the game came out at one point and said, like, yeah, Little Mac has the lowest win rate out of everyone in the entire roster of 60-plus characters. But it was because all of the new players thought he was cool, <laughs> and so they were playing him. And a lot of the times they would lose. But I think they were still having fun, and I think that's what matters. Yeah, it doesn't really matter if he's... if his win rate isn't the top, because uh, you know, you're going to have... Players of
0: all types flocking to Luke. I think that's a good thing. I am at least glad because I was worried that Corset Luke was going to be overpowered with this. I thought he might have actually mm-hmm. been overtuned, and was thinking we needed to he needed to go up to eight points. But it looks like I was not correct, and he's probably okay.
1: I think I agreed with you when you first said that, um, but I mean, like you said, I think he's fine. But it would be cool if we. Ever did get to the point where we had to bump them back up to eight, and then say, "Okay, heir to the Jedi is minus two, and we just
0: use the original cards." Yeah, that was what that was what I wanted to, <laughs> but um, I think I think the committee had it balanced in playtesting, mm-hmm. and that's why that got pushed back. And I think they were right. I think the folks that said he feels good at seven um, were right. I think Leia was the problem, and uh, that's why. I think at seven points she was a problem. I think at eight she's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. All right, let's talk about the Rancor. Oh yeah, Rancor, fun unit. Rancor has been point of much discussion this season. Um, fun fact: I think he was supposed to originally be ten points when we put him out, and we forgot to change it back. And oh, so he's nine. Oh no, he's nine points. Uh, cause remember he, he had been nine points. Um, the original was 10. Mm-hmm. We had recosted him down to nine for a long time. And then the, the, I think the idea was to make him worth 10 again. Uh, but he, uh, came back, came out with a uh, nine points on the top left. And then we just stuck with it cause it felt, it seemed fine. But yeah, the Rancor. I mean, Herbie's been the Rancor champion this season. Um, playing the crap out of the double rancor list that he came up with. And Rancor seems fine. Like he's yes, he's winning a lot. It's fifty nine percent win rate. Um but like that's lo- less than a lot of other stuff we're seeing on the on the data sheet right now. So I think he is he has and he hasn't won any tournaments or gone undefeated or anything, so I think the Rancor is strong, but I think it's fine. I don't think it's broken. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally agree there.
0: It's definitely something we're keeping our eye on, though. It's one of those things that's like, hey, is this card going to make the Rancor too strong? Like We think about Vader that way, we think about some other cards that way when we're designing new cards for ICP, so the Rancor is oh, on yeah. our radar.
1: I do miss that one patch where uh, Rancor came out and you guys thought he needed a nerf, so you made his surge for plus three damage instead of plus two. (laughs) Let's nerf him by buffing his uh, surges so that you're less likely to take the other surges that
0: are still just as busted. Yeah, but we nerfed something I know you guys
1: did some other stuff to him in that patch, but plus three damage on a surge, was uh, that would have been a cool first.
0: Yeah, see, that was my idea. It yeah. didn't work, but it was still cool. Right. <laughs> Alright, uh, next one is Terran Malikus from the Jedi Fallen Order games. Um, so I wrote here that he had a disappointing season, but um, he did get to the finals of the first League Top 8 under Morgan. Um, and it looks like he's just was more successful in Empire for some reason,
1: yeah, and you know that kind of makes his first ability redundant, like okay, he can play his own you know empire uh, force user cards, but yeah he apparently it's people have said that oh yeah it's because he's kind of slow he's got to get up and hit you close, but he 's got the ranged attack, uh, but you know he could just use like a little more tank. From things like Zillow Technique to help him get there. So he could smack you with this big attack.
0: Yeah, and I think the big change we made to him was he couldn't use lure of the Dark Side with the the child anymore. Mm-hmm. And playtesting. But I think that was definitely for the best. Um, oh, yeah, that was that was way too good. So you said Fallen Master's is redundant, but it is what is enabling him to be good in Empire Lists, I think.
1: Sure, but I mean, at that point, just make him a 7-point Empire card is kind of what I'm getting at. Like, he's not helping the rest of the team with that effect, he's just doing it for himself.
0: Yeah, so the, if one of the goals was to make f- uh, Mercenary Force users a thing, yeah, he's not not doing great with that. For some reason, we haven't seen <laughs> Maul at all. Wait, have we? Oh no, I guess we have. He's doing terrible. I played some Maul.
1: That was going to be my next uh, take. Was on Scum Force users. He's
0: been getting played, but he's at 30% win rate. Uh, yeah, I think
1: it's uh, Terran's the one that's being taken into Empire now, and then Maul, you know. I don't know. I guess there's no hype for him in this uh, season. But again, if you're going to take someone, you take Terran, and there's enough. I think there are enough good Force users in Empire now to
0: not have to take Maul to make it work. Yeah, oh wow, Maul has a weird disparity. He's 100, he has two, uh, Two. he's 2-0 two in Empire, but he's like, I don't know what this is, 18% win rate in Scum. <laughs> oh no. So apparently, that, uh... <laughs> for some reason, Empire has taken all the force users, Scum Force users. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I was,
0: was, uh. Mara's the same.
1: I was running him in scum for a while so
0: Mar- I was not winning that many games Mara's 55% win rate in Empire and 16% win rate in scum so scum force users just not working as well as you playing Empire and stealing all the scum force users no I,
1: I tried to champion it but uh, you know I think there just isn't enough there yet and you kind of have to get too close to your opponent to make it work I feel like uh, when I would play scum force users I get one or maybe two big attacks off and then I'm like all right yeah I've destroyed you know a big chunk of your army and they go okay well you know you killed two of my guys but now you've used all your movement all your cards uh, now you're kind of a sitting duck for me to take you down while I also run away and you don't have enough to chase me again that's been my experience with the scum force users. Which is why I switched to Spies in the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why we need the Ronin from Star Wars Legends in IACP.
0: Is that the guy with the lightsaber umbrella?
1: That is the guy that fought the girl with the lightsaber umbrella.
0: Oh, yeah. It's not even Legends. Okay, I got the wrong show name. Visions.
1: Visions, yeah. Um, we need Ronin from Star Wars Visions yeah this guy
0: I, even I if mean if you've not
1: seen it that episode is really cool and so is the Sith Umbrella lady they they just took the whole Star Wars thing and did it in a different style with samurais and you know that kind of Japan vibe and it just it worked so well and I think his thing is that he sheaths his lightsaber like a sword because it's broken and, like... It's broken so that it can't turn off. So he had to put it in a sheath to keep it safe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I think we pulled people on Vision's content and it did not do well. Oh, really? Like, do you guys want to Vision stuff in IACP? And I don't think it got very high high marks, so... <laughs>
1: I need to see that, that poll because I think people would want, at least from that one episode, everything else, I kind of get it. It was kind of a one-off, you know, oh, that was neat. No, but that episode was, uh, was the standout from that show. All right.
0: All right next, next takeaway here. <laughs> uh, well, we just talked about scum force users. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, short troopers. Uh, so short troopers kind of got ignored again this season. Um, But when they were played, oops, I gotta enable these checkboxes. They got, they did get played six times this season, and they had a three and three win rate, uh, fifty percent win rate. So fixed. (laughs)
1: Um, I think there's too many trooper types for them to all be popular. Like, I think uh, you know there are bunch of troopers that people aren't really using anymore and people are still mad about the scout troopers
0: there's just so much stuff yeah. right there's so much yeah. stuff in ICP you can't play at all with only 50 people playing actively <laughs> and like who I
1: think there was one guy that wanted to champion this the shore troopers um, and then he was just kind of disappointed when they went back to seven Uh are you talking about Josh Uh,
0: no grubber oh gruber yeah, yeah. um What was I going to say? That, yeah, there's just so much stuff. You can't play it all. Something has to go unplayed, even though it's probably perfectly fine. I'm encouraged by the fact that they have three wins, which is probably way more than they had in any previous season. Um, Also, we don't know, like, there's probably tons of games being played where people don't submit their game logs, so I'm sure there's more games that were played with them. Um, Hmm. I remember I played against Joey playing them in the league, Uh, and unfortunately he opened his door and had all his troopers all bunched together and that was great for my Sabs, so that didn't end well for him, but I think he was probably doing well with them the rest of the league Um, and yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that this means that they're in a good spot even if they're not popular and if people decide to play them then they should be in a better spot with the main change being you get less VPs when they die and you get to reinforce them. So you have more more to use with your mortar trooper.
1: I know that we we uh, they were at 6 and then they just kind of became an issue pretty quickly. Uh, but I would have liked to see the alternate universe where we put them at 6 and then rebalanced the entirety of the card around them being at 6 with all those crazy combos. Yeah, you'd have to
0: change the mortar trooper too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. Which, I guess, is,
1: is why you guys were like, yeah, just stick them back at seven. We did something. We, you can reinforce them now. Which is useful. It is good. Yeah. And they give out less points when they're defeated. Okay. Uh, but speaking of underwhelming troopers, we've got the Purge
0: Commander, and oh, your yeah. note here is he was bad. Yeah, at least they're not as bad as the purge commander.
1: No, we. Uh, sorry, meant to say purge commander. The purge commander was bad.
0: Yep, that's what I'm saying. At least the shore Troopers are not as bad as purge commander. Mm. I think he went zero gotcha. and six. Six losses this season, no wins, and kind of honestly, kind of surprising that a trooper hunter couldn't get it done. Um, he does have some pretty boring abilities as far as like I mean he's got a reroll on his own attack and he gives rerolls to fellow hunters Um, and he has a shock grenade which is like you don't see it used very often but I did see it used a few times where he was able to shock grenade and attack at the same time Um, but for some reason just couldn't get it done and I don't know if the data is incomplete or something. Maybe that's it. You know, obviously, six games is a very small sample size, but zero wins is still zero out of six. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. What
1: I, I don't know either. I, I think people are using BT instead of the Purge Commander in a lot of places.
0: Uh, I, that's where yeah. I'd be interested to see why they're choosing BT. That's interesting. Yeah, that's true. We do we did see a lot of BT this season and a lot of um him being used because specifically because he was a hunter, I think.
1: Like do people not want that reroll from commander? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's my question because that seems like a good ability, but you know, pe- maybe it's the line of sight restriction that's making it a little awkward.
0: Yeah, it is hard to get coordinated hunt to reroll a a Friendly's dice, but it's still nice that you get to use it on his attack.
1: Yeah. Yeah. BT is, like you said, the one getting more of the use. Uh, Maybe it's the extra health point he has. Mm, I don't know if he has a better range, but I know he's got more dice. Um,
0: He has worse surge abilities and worse range. Or well, maybe. I guess the same. I guess the range is the same, but the purge commander has a reroll, and BT doesn't, so that helps with the range. Mm-hmm. He does get focused. The BT does get BT, the focus. Yeah, he, he technically has more dice. Yeah. Has more dice and more health, so maybe that's all it is. Yeah, that might be it. But Pierce Two is still good. The um, his brothers, the Purge Troopers, are doing dec- pretty decently. They're um, eight games played, fifty percent win rate. Like I'm happy with that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, the Troopers are or the Purge Troopers are a decent addition this season. I actually, they're, they're doing respectable.
0: They're doing better than that. I think that was just their tournament record. They are eight and six, so fourteen games played, fifty-seven percent win rate. So quite good actually.
1: Maybe part of the reason the commanders aren't seeing as much plays is because we also have the troopers, and the troopers are pointless and are kind of a good fill. Like, I think in the past, people would throw in death troopers when they're getting near the end of their list to get that support. Uh, now people can throw in purge troopers for extra attackers that are kind of, you know, backing up the rear guard, and you don't need the commanders as much because they cost an extra point.
0: Yeah, that might be it. But Although I think with the Purge Troopers, you're also building around them more, so you're using them in lists that have mm-hmm. other melee attackers or other brawlers. Yeah. Um, I think it's more... I think BT is the answer to the Purge Commander. Mm-hmm. I think he just didn't compete to BT.
1: But, you know, speaking of the Purge Troopers, I'm pretty sure your data will say that we found not all form cards were created equal.
0: Uh, yeah, let's see. Actually, I haven't even looked at that. I do track the form data. Let's see. Oh, this can't be right. But my general
1: understanding is the, uh, the electro staff with the range is by far the most popular, just because reach is so good. And then people will use the batons to counterpick, like, white dice, I think it is. And then the hammer sees the least play.
0: I think batons actually did get more play... Really?
1: Oh. I usually like to default to staff if I play them. Um, For
0: some reason, I only have one record of staff being played. Wow. Now, I don't have... I don't think I put in the tournament section, so maybe that's it. But she... I thought she said she played, but... Oh, no, maybe she did play staff, so... I don't know. I think my I think my data is incomplete on the the loadouts. Okay. I'll have to check. Cuz I said they had 14 games played. I only have 7. 7 plus 4 is 11. Yeah, I'm missing data. I got to go back in and check. From what I've heard the staff is is more popular though for the reach.
1: Mhm. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. And like I said, batons will sometimes get picked as a counter to white dice, which was their intent. But the hammer, I think even against large figures, I don't know if people are taking that as often. Which is sad, it does have the, the better surge ability.
0: Yeah, I think we were counting on the fact that it's the only one that has surge for plus 2 damage, and then sort of being a crowd control piece. Mm-hmm. Um that it would get more play because of that, I think it was we were expecting that to be the more niche option, but I think maybe it's just too niche, and maybe their reach was just too good to give up, yeah, I could see that, although I think not right don't they um don't doesn't their ability require adjacency? Oh no, it's just attack targeting a new cost I'll figure, okay, never mind, so yeah, that makes sense. Um all right, what's next?
1: Uh next we have the hired guns. They said perfectly balanced uh
0: 6 to 12. Is that 6, six wins? So it should be 6 out of 12. Okay. okay. So I guess there's six there's six and six. But let me double check that because when I was pulling my data I was I think I might have been looking at the wrong sheet that only had tournament um results. Hired guns. Oh no, never mind. Six and six. Twelve matches played. Fifty percent win rate. We nailed it.
1: We nailed it. Nailed the hired <laughs>
0: guns. They oh I gotta put them on the screen. They are perfectly balanced. I feel like they disappeared for a yeah. little while in the early part of the season, like nobody was playing them.
1: They might have, but I think they're they're good.
0: I think they're a staple in scum now. I don't know about staple. I still don't see them that often compared to, like, other stuff in Scum. But you see them pop up, and I think they're good when they're when they're played.
1: Yeah.
0: I at least agree with that. Yeah. All right. I think they're good. Smuggling compartment is there our next one. Yeah, so I
1: don't have the data on this, but did we see less spies as a result of a smuggling
0: compartment? Uh, That's hard to quantify because I'd have to look at the old seasons data but I don't think we saw any less like let's see intelligence leak 34 matches played 15 lists we're still seeing lots of intelligence leak let's see a strategic shift 9 lists uh, uh, for a strategic shift 15 games played so I wouldn't say we're seeing like I haven't seen them drop off the map I don't know if that's less than last season but that's still pretty respectable number of lists playing those cards um smuggling compartment itself, fourteen lists played, forty-four matches played, fifty percent win rate exactly.
1: Perfectly
0: balanced. Yeah. I think it's I think smuggling compartment has been a success. Um I think I th- you guys hit the mark. I think people really like playing that card, not just to hose spy cards, but for its own ability to dig through the deck. <clears throat> um it was fun watching um dylan's videos of the the tournament they had up in canada there and we had two players both playing smoking compartment and i think that's the first time i've ever seen the card played in like physical real life and it was Mm -hmm. so fun seeing how they were how they went about doing the like deck manipulation i think dylan did it where he like pulled the card off the top and off the bottom and looked at them together, and then the other guy he was playing against, I think his name was Gordon, just pulled the top card off and then picked up the deck and looked at the bottom card, which is what like totally how I would have done it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Where can we find those videos?
0: Uh, that's on Dylan's channel. I think his uh, channel is called... Let me look. They got posted all over like Slack and stuff, but
1: uh let's see. Oh.
0: Yeah, if you have it, I'd have to load up my account.
1: Is this uh time to nerd?
0: Yeah, time to nerd, that's what it is.
1: Yeah, time to colon space nerd. I'll subscribe
0: to that. So
1: yeah, I don't... He's got some Imperial Assault stuff up here.
0: I think it's interesting Thanks. because I think we've not seen, like, Intel leak completely useless, but it's now a risk, and it's now, like, if you don't want to deal with that stuff attacking your hand, you can bring Smuggling Compartment, but you got to pay a point. Yeah. So I think we kind of nailed it, like, meet reached our goal there, where, you know, there's an option, but it's not... It's not throwing things out of whack, it's still pretty balanced. Yeah, yeah, I agree. agree. So, now you can't complain about spies in ISCP anymore. I don't want to hear it.
1: Does that mean we can uh, start releasing a bunch of new spy uh, hand manipulation cards? That's
0: probably bad game design, so... (laughs) I don't think we should do that. Alright, next one.
1: Next, I just put Cad Bane is cool. I don't know how he's doing, but he's in the season, and I think he deserves a footnote, at least.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, He's doing pretty good. Ten lists appearing in 22 matches played, 54% win rate, so that's good. He's doing good.
1: I'm surprised with with all the Hunter support we got this season, just between them and the Purge Commanders.
0: For comparison, Onar is in 16 unique lists with 47 games played and a 61% win rate. So, so Onar a lot more popular. Yeah. But I just... Do we see Cad and Empire often? Oh, that's a good question. Um, no, never. Never. Oof. Purely right. scum. Purely scum. Hmm.
1: Yeah, thought we'd see more of them. But all right,
0: cool. So I think we did good with Cad Bane. Uh, Mar Jade, that's you posted that one
1: yeah so like between all the factions she got new stuff for rebels, got new stuff for Empire got new stuff for scum, all that kind of seemed to work with her um, but I don't think I saw her as much as I was kind of expecting at the beginning of the season and wanted to see kind of what the data was on that, if she's popular, if she's kind of not seeing much use
0: recently Uh, Well, she's still one of the most popular cards in the game, in ICP. Okay, well, there we go. (laughs) She is... let's see. I actually have it sorted by popularity on one of these. There we go. She is at the top. She is higher than Luke. She is higher than Onar. Uh, Yep, she's more popular than Onar, slightly less popular than Extra Armor, and... Bib Fortuna. More
1: popular than Fortuna. Okay. And this is he in all
0: factions. At... Yeah.
1: Yeah, makes sense. She seems... Yeah, maybe I have a disconnect in some aspects because I didn't join the third competitive season and I was in the second one, but I think the second one was kind of... The data for that was... I don't know if you counted it and everything, but I know results-wise we kind of abandoned it.
0: Um, oh yeah, I don't know. well, we didn't have a f- top top four or whatever for that, and so whatever yeah. I only get whatever game logs whatever people submitted logs. to me, yep. but she's super gotcha. popular um she's not doing great, she's a thirty nine percent win rate, Ooh. and I yeah. think scum is dragging her down. <clears throat> she only has a sixteen percent win rate in scum, she's doing fine in the other factions she's fifty five percent win rate in empire forty two percent win rate in rebels. So that 16% win rate is really dragging her down from the scum side. So I think that goes back to what we were talking about with, for some reason, scum force users just are not doing well.
1: Yeah, that is unfortunate. Because I really tried to make them work.
0: <laughs> but I think Mara's doing just fine. What Did, did she get any cool. new toys? What What command cards did she get that's really good? Well, I think it,
1: in one, Luke's were both buffed. So, Son of Skywalker got a lot better in Rebels. And I space. know in Rebels, we kind of saw a a list that was full of double attackers, which is one of our points later. Um, so, like, running Luke, Garkan, and Mara with Zeb. And then in Empire, she didn't get new toys, I don't think, but she just was a hunter force user when we got the Grand Inquisitor buff and so they kind of
0: seem like they go well together. Oh, Scum, she got Cad Bane's new card. Yeah, that's a good one. But I don't think they're, I don't think people are really using that, so. Which
1: is unfortunate, it seems so good.
0: She's not a hunter in Scum, too, so they they don't have synergy there. Mm, true. True. True, um, true that. Okay. By the way, she was. Let's see, Medishare 11% in season six. So I I just pulled up season six data. She's 19% in season seven. So she's she's more popular.
1: Yeah, she. Was, so she did go up. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of that is due to the rise in popularity of like surrounding four users in. Empire and Rebels. And Taryn. People had to try her with Terran, I imagine. Even if it didn't go well. Yeah. Oh, she got Taryn's card. Forbidden Knowledge.
0: <clears throat> hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's okay. Let's see. You get, you get one movement point. Discard one harmful condition. Yeah, it's pretty good with her. Yeah. Uh, Leia's card is funny mm-hmm. with her. You basically just draw one <laughs> command card. And then yeah. and then you get to use use somebody else's command card again that round. If they're a force user. Ooh. But that she already could do that, so it's like you can use Leia's card to do it again. <laughs> but you draw a card. If Leia dies. I don't know, it's funny. Yeah. Okay. Next one. What's our next take?
1: Our next take is that Punishing Strike finally got the buff it needed. Now seems like a fair and useful choice. Um, People actually take it from what I've seen now, and they like turning things into stun, and opponents like forgetting it's there until someone says that they're stunned now. At least that happens to me.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I only have, in my data, I only have four appearances of this card.
1: I don't think it's something we see all the time, but I think in the right lists, it's finally like a tool that can be used if you're heading that direction with your list. Like, you want to bring the child. Punishing Strike is a good complement to uh, Force Exhaustion. You want to bring HKs, do some Hunter stuff. They all weaken, so, you know, go ahead and bring Punishing Strike. Uh, Same thing with HK-47, which I don't know how popular he is now, but... Again, that auto... Kind of auto-bleed. is uh, now—it's now... It's now plus one damage or
0: stun. Oh yeah, that was a good combo. Yeah. He is also not being played that much uh, this season. You said it only had
1: four games?
0: Punishing uh, four Strike? Four lists, six games. And what about the win rate? Uh, 33%. So two wins out of six mm. games. Which is actually not terrible because like you're only one win away from being fifty percent at that point, which is why I do say like six is not is very low. Small sample size. Um so two wins out of six games, that's okay. It's not great, but it's it's it could be better once you get more games in. Um we saw I saw it a lot during the playtesting period. Um and I think it just dropped off or I haven't seen it. it sounds like you've seen it being played more.
1: Yeah, I went up against a couple lists with it, and uh, I think it pops up at least once a game, but maybe it kind of needs to pop up twice a game to be worth that full point. But I think once it pops up once,
0: your opponent is like on the lookout to make sure that
1: no one gets stunned a second time.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't seen it more with HK-47, because I feel like I saw that combo happening in the playtest period, um, but I have not seen... Like, I see Headhunter plus HK-47 a decent amount... But it's so good with query. Yeah, I would just say keep in mind that people are running
1: things in the playtest period in part to make sure that we play test everything. Right. It's not necessarily what they want to run outside of it. Like that uh that one month where everyone had to play Mando whether they wanted to or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And that's good too. It's good that people do that. Yeah.
1: Alright, what's our next take? All right, so now we got uh, Zeb, got his rework. I actually don't remember what the final changes were. He went through a few revisions, but... Uh, oh, he got the, the dice-changing thing. But he works well as, as in a double-attacker-rebel brawler archetype. So I talked about a list a few points ago, like where you bring Luke, Garkon, you can bring Zeb. And they all kind of have ways to get two attacks in one activation. And I think that's a cool brawler archetype. I don't think we're. I don't know about you, but I don't think we're seeing much Spectre Cell, and I don't see Zeb in many other places outside of a brawler list. Yeah. Guardians.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen Spectre Cell. Yeah, he's doing good. He's 12 games played, 41%, so that's good. It means, you know, and again, that means he's got five wins out of 12 games. So if one more win would have put him at 50%, so. Um he's very... It seems like he's niche. He had more attention in the beginning of the season with Blade playing him in that first tournament, but I haven't seen him being used that much in the late season. Um, So I think he's just... I think it's just a matter of taste, but I think he is totally serviceable now. Um, And yeah, I find that double attacker list to be pretty scary. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think he's still not taking uh, his command card, though. Yeah, that's sad, because I... I thought that was a good command card change.
1: Uh, I'm looking yeah. at it now, I mean, it seems all right, but I can see why it doesn't get taken over a lot of other amazing choices rebels have in general.
0: Yeah, it only does one damage to each target, which I mean, it's still good if you spread out like four, four or five damage if he's got damage on him. But I could see it not quite making the cut.
1: Yeah. Alright,
0: what's our All next right. one?
1: Next, um, I have seen the Grand Inquisitor kind of become popular, but I've seen him kind of just show up in places where he's not necessarily synergistic with everyone. Kind of like uh, how you would see Aiden, even outside of a trooper list, just because she adds range to the list. Hmm. I don't know what your data says about the Grand Inquisitor, but I've uh, kind of seen a bit of that happening.
0: It looks like he's popular. It looks like I messed up and put in the wrong one a couple times, the old version. So let's see if I combine these. He's got 7 lists, 13 wins out of 21 games. So I think that evens out to about 60%, so he's doing good. And that means he's pretty popular. Um, I, I think he just has a lot of synergy potential right he's a force user and a hunter so he kind of can go either way hunters are having a resurgence in empire now thanks to the purge troopers and mara jade and bt i
1: think he's a part of that too
0: i don't know what list have we seen him in where he's just randomly played
1: (laughs) I uh, don't have a specific example in mind, but I do think I've seen him pop up a few times where I was like, oh, he's he's just kind of there. Alright, that's, cool. right, that's cool. But he does just seem like a strong unit by himself.
0: Yeah, I guess Joey played him in one of the tournaments with ISBs, perch Troopers, callus, and that's kind of random. But the, again, the, yeah. the Purge Troopers are adding that Hunter synergy.
1: Yeah, like, there was a little bit there that was synergistic, but it wasn't like a full, you know, let's, let's make it a Hunter list or a
0: full-on uh, full on Force user list. I think he might just be a well-liked design. Yeah. I think people are happy to be able to play him now, and he's he's fun to play. He does have that interesting dichotomy, right, of, like, there's an interesting choice to be made with the saber throw where do you want to throw it and get the benefits of like range and cleave or do you go for the direct attack to get the the re-roll the precision re-roll so I think that's worked out pretty well to be fun
1: yeah he's got a cool design all right, next one and Next, uh, when it was first revealed I thought Savage Vigor was poop I didn't think it did that much uh, but I would like to take that back I've seen it turn like potentially 10 damage attacks to like 4 or 5 damage attacks that then you add your block dice and buffs and it's a 0 damage attack so I think Savage Vigor is good with Rancor's
0: the average vigor has been one that is not always played, but I think it's good when it's when it's good. I think it yeah. contributes to the rancors' uh, reputation as being very hard to take down.
1: Yep, and then you combine that with survival instinct, and they're just
0: you're not doing any damage on that attack. Yep, survival instincts, extra armor, and parry. Mm. It's a lot of block. Yeah. And then
1: um, moving on, lure of the dark side is a very strong command card, but at least in my experience, the context of using it seems to rein it in. Like, I don't think that the empire force users are the are the most popular list in the world, and uh, scum force users they're they're not good right now. So even with, I've had games where lure of the dark side seems to turn a hopeless loss into a shot for redemption with one attack. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, that that card did way too much by itself. But then I'd wind up either still losing or barely scripting by a win and saying, well, the list the rest of the list I had to use to use Lure of the Dark Side wasn't as good, so that seems okay.
0: Yeah, I think Lure of the Dark Side has done well and earned its three point costs. And I think it's kind of I think it's pretty much a staple in any list that has like a six or seven point force user um that can play the card well but, i don't know about six or seven point i think any force
1: user that could play the card would want to play it i think there just are not any force users of less than six cost that can play it
0: you think like, even a list that just had vader would play this or maybe Alyssa had Oh, okay, 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 okay. Palpatine? Um,
1: I think what I was trying to say is you want this on the lower lower end of points cost that you can get. Yeah. And when you said six or seven, I was like, well, that's middle of the road. That's, that's pretty high. I would put this on something lower if it existed. Uh, yeah, your six and seven points are the ones using it. Yeah, because I don't think there's any cheaper
0: force users.
1: There's six Yoda, the but he's in rebels,
0: it's gonna be really hard to get him to use that, yeah, that's what I mean, so I think six is yeah. the cheapest that can play this card either via either an empire or via Terran
1: defeat is six points, even, I don't think there's any five point four users besides Yoda, yeah, so again, okay. that's a rebel, so yeah,
0: yeah, like I said, th- with Terran, it's possible, but we don't see people doing that either. I think this is pretty much a staple now in in Scum and Empire force user mm-hmm. lists. Agreed. Alright, what's the next one? Um
1: just callus seems like a good glue for a lot of lists. We're seeing more brawler stuff. Uh we're seeing you know, you said ISBs are very popular. Callus has always been a good card, but I think he kinda holds a lot of these spy and brawler lists together with like the leader trait and just having all those good support abilities is Kalis doing good according to the data
0: yeah he's doing good he's got 55% win rate um weirdly it says he's only in four lists with 18 matches played so that means probably a lot of tournament play um hmm. his meta share is down since season seven
1: I guess maybe we're seeing less of him
0: I've seen more diversity, actually, in the, like, pocket aces that people are playing in Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like there's more choice now between, like, you can bring Palpatine or Callus or Iden or Thrawn or some combination of those. Um, mm-hmm. he in is my a good experience,
1: move. I'm seeing more uh, more of the Callus, but maybe that's because I'm running more of the lists, but, like... If I build Spies, I'm like, yeah, let's take Kallus. And if I build Brawlers, I'm like, yeah, let's take Kallus. And sometimes if I build Force users, I'm like, well, they're also Brawlers, so yeah, let's take Kallus.
0: Yeah. I mean, just the card draw ability alone, I feel like, is worth yeah. it. It's so powerful in Empire. Even though you're giving your opponent a card, um, as along with the Spy Traits, you get that free intel leak if your opponent doesn't have Smuggling Compartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. I've never really found him to be I mean I think we've talked about this I've just never found his attack to be that good so
1: yeah I I think it has been I know it's saved me a time or two and there was one point where I was trying to run Royal Guard Champion and he was a good part of that list too he was a good backup attacker because I get him some power tokens and suddenly his attack was worth it and often his first attack would only do a little bit but then focus and then his second
0: attack would go wild yeah Alright, what's our next take here?
1: Uh, just that droids are thriving in general, and I meant this more as in popularity. Um, you said the HKs are taking over the Soren list, so there is a Soren list. And then, at least on your channel, I've seen a lot of videos with, like, IG-11s. And... Yeah. That's, that's it, that's it. Droids.
0: Yeah, droids are popular, and we've been slowly releasing more support for them. I think we had Triangulate this season, which has seen, Mm -hmm. I think, a little bit of play, but I don't see it as, like, hugely game-changing for droids. Mm -hmm. But it's been good. Um, Like, we talked about the HKs already. Although it's unfortunately they, unfortunate that they have taken over a niche that already existed in the game, like I don't, I think we try to design things to open up new niches for new gameplay styles rather than, you know, that that that's a little bit uh, too much power creep <laughs> uh, for me. So that's yeah. But uh, probe droids have been getting a lot more play recently too, right? I've, I I th- feel like I've seen way more probe droids recently.
1: I I think I've seen one in one of your videos. Um, personally, have not seen many of them, but eh, it's, it's possible. They're good. Like you said, or like I've heard you say before, they're like a three-die, four-point attacker, and that is a good thing to have.
0: They can hit pretty hard. Yeah, I feel like probe droids have been kind of sleepers. Um, and then
1: we have BT, who is also a droid, but I think he's more often used for his hunter trait. Yeah. Or heavy weapon trait.
0: Yeah, still the only heavy weapon hunter in the game.
1: Which might be a good thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Alright, what's the next one?
1: Yeah, so I've noticed a lot of strength in numbers lists uh, popping up, especially with scum. Between both what I've seen on your channel and in my own experience... Uh, these are just lists that tend to run a lot of five to seven point deployments, and then at some point in the game, they're always going to run a strength enough to two of those decent attacks out at once. So this is why I was saying that I thought that the hired guns were more popular, and I could have sworn Cad Bane was because he seems perfect for this kind of list. And they kind of split between hunters and smugglers, but it's like just a lot of five to seven point deployments in Scum seem to be a rising trend. And then you play strength in numbers.
0: I think it's been. I think it's just been that way for a long time. (laughs) It's not a rising trend to me. It's just like well, that's how scum has always been. Okay, because of of, you have Onar, Vinto, and Greedo are that core for a lot of lists, and then, um, yeah, like you said, we've just added to that with uh, Cad Bane and hired guns. So, so maybe it is coming back or something.
1: Well, okay, let's get into the next point, and then it might make more sense to you why I feel this way. Okay. But it's that uh, I started in Season 6, and this is the first season since then without Phoenix Mando. And when we saw Phoenix Mando, he was everywhere. And now that he's gone, I'm seeing a lot of these 5-7 to seven deployment point cards versus Phoenix Mando with... Uh, he was always running with like HK forty seven and Onar, and that's not the kind of list you really want to put strength in numbers in.
0: Okay, that's fair. And I am looking at the data, and you're right; it has come up since season six. The MetaShare percentage of strength and numbers went up from six point eight four to um to what is this twelve point eight eight percent.
1: So, and so, I think yeah. I see it in. Empire 2, but it just seems like I could almost call a list the strength and number scum list, just because it's like, yeah, some smugglers, some hunters, you know, all the goods all the hunter and smuggler good stuffs, and they all happen to be five to seven points, so you can always
0: get off your strength and numbers. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it just was always like that for me. I guess if you're running weak ways, you wouldn't do that as much. And then Derek's or list, HK's. That, yeah, yeah, and then Derek's list of like Mando plus IG11 doesn't do that. So, yeah,
1: that's true. We do see that. Um, but you know, so the game does seem more varied now without Phoenix Mando dominating everything. And we talked about earlier this episode uh, the discussion on assassinate. And someone chimed in that, hey, you know, being able to stack all of your Assassinate cards and confidently one-shot a 7-point figure is just kind of too strong. And uh, I recently posted a video on my channel that was like a throwback to one of the last games I did with Mando. And, like, there's a point in there where I Beskar Spear, and, like, I needed to take care of HK47 on my opponent's side. And that's a 7-point figure, it was at full health. And I was like... But what if I Beskar spear like one of his little mini attackers, like a Tuscan raider he had next to it? What if I Beskar spear that and then just put the main attack on the HK forty seven? Am I confident I can one shot eleven health? And I was like, yeah. Yeah I did. And then I one shot the Tuscan and one shot the HK forty seven. And uh just seems like a good reason that Phoenix Manda was maybe too strong. That was like ten or eleven ten or eleven points in one action. That I took out of my opponent's army. Yeah. And I think he was just very good. Good
0: that we banned him.
1: Yeah. So I think the takeaway here is the ban was good.
0: Alright, looks like we got one more. So it's a final takeaway from season seven.
1: I really liked when we did that tournament in December. That was uh, had some special list building rules where you had there was something where you had to like take a Force user in your list, but it had to be from another faction. So you would you could bring Darth Vader into Rebels or Luke Skywalker into an Empire list, and I think having more tournaments like that would be really cool, especially near the end of a season when things start to. You know, the metal it gets a little stale. We're kind of just waiting for the things to change. I think that would be a really cool way to spice things up during that time, that last month or two of the season.
0: Yeah, that was the Shifting Loyalties Tournament. Um, yes. Yep, you guys got to talk to Morgan about those. <laughs> well. But do. yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea, especially if we have these longer seasons still.
1: Yeah. And for me that's that's it. Those are my takeaways for season 7.
0: All right, that's my takeaways as well. So that's kind of season 7 not in a nutshell, but uh a nice send off for the season, I think. Um as we go into season 8 and get to discover all kinds of new fun stuff and broken stuff and Beat each other up with all these new cards and
1: start it all over again
0: I think I have, I guess one more takeaway I have is that it was interesting to see old stuff from previous seasons start to thrive and get discovered even mm-hmm. though it didn't really get any boost from the new season, I think that's a good sign of things being healthy and that, you know, we're managing the power creep well to the, for the yeah. most part you know
1: yeah, that is nice to see I think, you know, it might be harder to dissect, but in some ways, some of the stuff that gets popular might just be to counteract some of the new stuff that did get boosted.
0: Yeah, that might be happening, but it's just the metagame's so varied, it's really hard to, like, counterpick or build a counter list. Other than, like, my list is weak to this, so I'm going to include a counter, like smuggling compartment.
1: But you know, we introduce Smuggling Compartment in Season 7, and then in Season 7, we see Spies go up in usage, or at least the ISBs.
0: So what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, what have we done? <laughs> what is that? That doesn't compute, right? Because Spies should get less played if there's a card that counters them.
1: We invited the challenge.
0: <laughs> yeah, so... Alright, so I think that's going to wrap us up for today. Uh, Thanks everybody for watching, and Wesley, do you have anything you want to plug?
1: Yeah, guys, if you're uh, catching this episode shortly after it comes out, once again, make sure you check out the IACP site over the next couple of weeks. uh, They'll be dropping spoiler articles, I think, each weekday for the new season. Check out my own channel, youtube.com slash thesecondflock, and this Tuesday, the 11th, we're going to have a live stream, and you can Catch it later on if you want. If you don't get it in time. Uh, we're going to reveal two cards that you won't be able to see for another week or week and a half afterwards. So they'll be on the live stream. And lastly, uh, don't forget that we're having a send-off tournament or span of tournaments this weekend, the 14th through the 16th for the end of Season 7. That's it, everyone. Thank you. All right. See you later. Stay frosty. Awesome. Yeah. So, so.